Over the Wall podcast coming at you. Big show today. We've got a lot of topics on hand. We're going to hit on the COVID-19 pandemic with sports, why everybody's overreacting, and kind of my thoughts going forward with COVID-19 in sports as sports are kind of starting to ramp up, which is very exciting. We're going to do a baseball topic. Baseball coming back finally, right? They've come to agreement, and I'm going to talk about some things I'm very, very excited about with baseball that I think could actually change the game for the better. We're going to talk about just the overall atmosphere in sports when it comes to race um, and just when it comes to just other things with players, maybe not necessarily understanding the business of sports. You can have beliefs, which I'm completely fine with. I've always said I'm completely fine with you kneeling for the flag. I wouldn't do it. But everybody is different and everybody has their own belief system. But don't try to throw your beliefs down my throat. Everybody has their own belief system. Be a good person. Be a good teammate. Be a good friend. Have your beliefs. Don't stuff it down my throat. Okay, that's the problem I'm seeing now with ESPN and, and all these sports networks. They're trying to stuff things on your throat. I'm not a huge fan of that. You have the beliefs. Don't stuff it down my throat. But what... They can do, these big-time athletes, right, NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL, what they can do to build their business and maybe the things they're not maybe seeing clearly. And we'll talk about that. And then we'll also talk about a topic of Ken Griffey Jr. They had a documentary on MLB Network last Sunday. It just kind of highlighted his career. And I'm going to talk about my thoughts on Ken Griffey and, and his, where, he, where he's at, at least in my book. So let's get to it. With a lot going on in sports as far as coming back to play, you're hearing a lot of things from different camps. So NBA, you're hearing we might not come back. Um, you know, you've heard the Kyrie Irving thing where he wants to start his own league and then it's, uh, he doesn't want to come back because of racial you know, relations in America. And then you hear, well, they're scared, you know, COVID-19, Major League Baseball is fighting over money. I think we've come to this point in sports in this country where I think the players are losing sight of just what the objective is and it's it's fans and it's fan support and I think they're losing sight of that and I think a lot of it's because social media because it's, it's a, social media is a huge echo chamber okay it's a pylon culture just like you saw with Drew Brees it was very easy to criticize Drew Brees you know nobody was going to come out and, and be pro Drew Brees at that point because they know they get crushed on Twitter or Instagram, or Facebook, or, you know, whatever their platform is. And and that's the problem, is most people don't live on Twitter. Most people don't live on social media. So the things you see ESPN spewing out, or FS1, or, in, like I said, any other platform, these people are, you know, coastal people. When you're living in New York, L.A., it's a different mindset than middle America, you know, or southern part of the country where I live, you know or just anywhere. Most people I'm around, black, white, Hispanic, they're not talking about Drew Brees. I've never heard that come up in a in a conversation, in an actual conversation, not on social media, but in actual conversation. Nobody's out as outraged as people make it out to be because if you go on Twitter, it's it's just complete outrage with everything. COVID-19, Drew Brees, you know, race relations in the country, everything is outrage. And I think that's where, you know, these athletes are missing the beat and which goes to my whole point fans are 
what makes sports great. They're they're really that's the consumer, that's your customer, and I think they're losing touch with their fan base. And like I said, I think social media is to blame when you talk about you know Major League Baseball. Like I said, fighting about money, and you have players not wanting to play in the NBA. You know, I looked at the the last last dance documentary, and Michael Jordan. That's when basketball was his greatest. And I'll compare him to LeBron. Michael Jordan was inclusive. It was, you know, Republicans buy sneakers too, but it wasn't to say that I'm a Republican, I'm voting Republican. It was like, man, look, I'm not partisan on this. This isn't political in any way, shape, or form. Like, you know, I'm here to play basketball, and I'm not going to give some, you know, crazy opinion if, like a LeBron, like, look, I'm on this side, and if you're not on this side with me, then I'm against you, which, to be honest with you, it has pulled fans away from him I was a huge LeBron fan and it's not to say that I agree or disagree with anything he says it's just he has pushed one side of the country you know to him and then one side away whereas Michael Jordan is inclusive man I mean you saw him you know with kids before games kids after games you know just way he interacted with people man he was really great with the media great with teammates he wasn't you know he didn't show up to the game drinking wine like lebron and to say hey guess what i'm intellectual and i'm better than you no he was drinking miller light with dennis rodman and scotty pippen in the locker room he was inclusive and people like that and that's the one thing i think athletes don't get it's it's the fans make the fans believe that you care now you can go home and say i don't give two shits about the fans but that's where the money's coming from. It's butts in the seats. It's viewership. How do you think these big TV contracts are getting signed? Ratings. They're seeing ratings. Are people watching? AKA fans. Are fans watching this? And that's what's driving it. And people are losing sight of it. And, you know, I think the NFL is as well. I don't say that I. I, I don't believe in protests. I do. That's what makes America great. Your your voice should be heard. Should it be heard at work? That is to be discussed. I'm not sure about that. But it becomes very divisive. You know, the protest about the flag. Um, not to say they're not protesting the flag. or I really don't want to get into that. But there are things that become divisive. And that can turn away a fan base. When you're saying basically, you know... On political lines, I'm viewing, you know, things this way, and then, you know, you're wrong if you view it that way, and I think that's what a lot of athletes are seeing, and and that isn't good for the fans and your sport, you know, and just the business of it, right? I mean, athletes right now should be saying, I want to go back and play, I want to go back and play, and like I said, in, in private at their homes, they could be saying, you know, for my baseball player, look, we're getting screwed, we're getting jobbed over here by the owners, and, you know, by the commissioner, this is just not right. But in public, you know, try to have a good sentiment about it. Um, basketball, instead of saying that, you know, should we play basketball? Is it worth it? Right? 40 million unemployed right now. People would love to see some basketball games. You're not being used. You're being paid, you know, handsomely for your services. I'm sure a lot of people would love to do that right now. 40 million unemployed. You know, a major pandemic and a crisis, you know, on this country's hands. So I think people just lose sight. And I think it's going to hurt sports. And until we realize that, 
or the athletes, then we won't improve. Like I said, sports were great when, when everybody was inclusive. And I think that's the problem now is we try to pick a side. And sports unite us on racial lines, on political lines, on everything. You don't go to a game and say, hey, I'm not going to high-five you because you're a Democrat or a Republican, you know. Or I never played sports and said, I wonder what my coach, you know, what does he watch at night? Does he watch MSNBC, CNN, or Fox News? I wonder who he voted for. No, he's my coach. We played sports. And that was it. And that's what made sports great because you could have differing opinions, but we all come together. We unite as one because that's what sports are about. That's what's so great about them. And I think that's what we love about this country is that, you know, six days out of the week, you can argue, you can watch your Fox News, you can watch MSNBC. Donald Trump can just, you know, wear you out. Or Barack Obama, you could disagree with everything he said. But on Sunday, and you tune in, you know, at noon to watch your favorite NFL team, all right, we all come together as one. And the same thing with all sports. And I think when we become divisive and we try to show our political opinions, I think that's not good. Sports are supposed to unite us, not separate us. And I think social media is heightening it. It's making everybody want to, you know, race to Twitter or, you know, Instagram and, and throw out an opinion and, and get likes and retweets. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a social media high they're on. But it's not good for the sport itself, for the fans. Because like I said, sports are great when they unite us. And I think that's what was great about Michael Jordan. He united people. You know, he wasn't polarizing. You know, he was a uniter. Sure, he was tough with teammates. Yes. But he won. And he pushed people. But like he said, Republicans buy sneakers too. I'm not going to go out there and make you know these political views and, and statements that'll that'll divide us. Bring us together. You know? And I think that's what we need right now in sports. Not we shouldn't go play. It's not worth it. You know, we don't, you know, money, we're getting jobbed here. It's not what should be said by the players. You need the fans. This is a time to say, I'm telling you right now, LeBron James, if he went out and said, we need to go play, I know what Kyrie Irving said, and maybe I agree or disagree with it, but we need to go back and play. This country has faced a pandemic. We have mass amounts of people that are unemployed in this country. You know, we have racial tensions that are high from the George Floyd incident, this country needs us to go back and let's be the uniter in this country, you know, that'll help this country heal just by us playing basketball. And I think that would just be huge. And I think people could rally around it. And maybe you could disagree with his political views, but man, you'd be like, damn, you know, I agree with LeBron. He wants to unite us, play some ball. Let's go. And that would be huge. It's not going to happen though. Because that's, that's not going to be popular on Twitter. And that's just the overall problem right now I see in sports. Let's address the COVID-19 pandemic when it comes to sports. We're seeing college athletes hit the campus now. We have the NBA coming back July 30th. They'll be in Orlando in the quote-unquote bubble July 7th to kind of ramp everything up and get started. And then you're going to have Major League Baseball, their second spring training, I guess you would say, July 1st, with games coming July 24th. NFL, I would say August, you're probably looking at you know training camps, and obviously September they're starting. 
So let me address some of the issues you're starting to see, which is LSU players hit campus. You're seeing, you know, a night out in the town on the weekend that, you know, 30 players tested positive. These other schools, you've had guys test positive. And I have some beliefs in it, and I'm going to kind of discuss it. And it's not anything people should panic about, but we're headline seekers. We don't seek data. And the data tells us, especially with these athletes, that they're going to be fine because every time you're hearing these, you know, these tests come out and they're positive, what's the symptoms? Asymptomatic, you know, very mild symptoms. Um, so why are we so worried about it? Why should we put sports on a complete shutdown because of it? We shouldn't. If anything, I've always had the theory that, <laughs> and they would never do it because of liability issues, but like let's say the New Orleans Saints we're ha- the issue and maybe the topic will come up well should they play the season this year because tests are coming like you know just the test results are on the rise people are testing positive what if you just you know say hey guys here's what we're going to do 14 days before the season we'll all inject you with covid-19 that way you quarantine yourself for 14 days you probably won't have severe symptoms and you'll eventually build up immunity and then here we go and then we won't have to worry about this nonsense of, well, this guy tested positive. You know, Drew Brees can't play this weekend. He tested positive for coronavirus. Oh, what, how's Drew feeling? Ah, nothing wrong with him. Nothing to see here. Doesn't make sense to me. And I think that's also something they're going to find out. I'm not a doctor, nor am I a scientist. I just always thought it was weird. Isn't this something they're going to think about five, ten years from now? Says, oh, you know, maybe we kind of missed the boat on this one. They'd be like, if I told my boss in January, hey, boss, guess what? Can't go to work today. Why? What's wrong? Well, uh, got a virus. Oh, man, that sucks. What's your symptoms? No, 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 no. Feel great. I just, it's something that baffles me. I know I went off topic a little bit, but this is something that the sports leagues need to just kind of relax on and not worry so much about because it's not as big a deal as we want to make it out to be. It's just not. And so going forward, people are going to test positive. It's going to happen, but don't panic. You sh- the, the guys are going to build immunity. You know, and even when I look at the NBA, Avery Bradley just announced that he's not going back, going to the bubble in Orlando. Now, I have a lot of thoughts on that. And what you're going to hear in the media is this. He has a son that has respiratory issues. Okay, I don't know the severity of it, but he claims it's very severe. But... These athletes and Avery Bradley in general, they're safer with the teams. Are you going to get unlimited COVID-19 testing at home? No, you're going to get it in Orlando, Florida. Also, you know, you hear these players, well, one of my family members that, that, you know, I might have an at-risk, you know, family member. Okay, but if you're an NBA player, you're going to a bubble in Orlando, Florida and isolating yourself for three to four months. Like, you're not bringing your families with you. I think we're missing the boat on that. And then you're going to say, well, yeah, but, like, when they leave, like, let's say the Lakers win the championship October 12th. They leave the 13th and they go back home. But then what happens then? Well, simple. You tell the NBA. You tell Adam Silver, here's my deal. Test me before we leave, okay? And if you could, could you give me a test before I get home? Quarantine yourself the day you get back at a hotel in Los Angeles, wherever, 
get you a test, see if you test positive. If you do, you quarantine yourself for 14 days. If you don't, you go home. It's a very simple solution. I, I don't see where the issue is with that. Wouldn't you be safer and your family safer in a bubble? I mean, what's he going to do the rest of his life? Not go anywhere? I highly doubt that. I mean, what's he going to do in the next six months? Stay in his house? See, this is where I'm kind of having issues with. I just, I'm, I'm, I don't know. It's, uh, we're not seeing this clearly. And it's going to be a mess. I'm just telling you now. When you look, when football season comes, you're going to see it nonstop. This guy can't play because of COVID-19. That guy can't play. It's, just, it's going to be nonstop because apparently, I don't know how this testing goes, but you just get people that test positive. There's nothing wrong with them. And so I'm hoping by the time these sports leagues start, we can gather more information. Vaccine, not too sure. You hear you know, rumors about it possibly in the fall, 2021, or possibly never coming. But we have to figure out more information about the testing and the protocols and you know just things of that nature because I can't play you know my sport let's say I'm a football player let's say uh, let's say I'm Tom Brady and you know we got a, a big game against the Saints week one you know teams fired up teams ready and then we get a test on Friday that says well Tom you tested positive and there's nothing wrong with him that's a tough sell. I mean, obviously he has to sit out, right? Because it's going to be a protocol. But to me, it just, it, I struggle with it, right? And then we've heard reports about how contagious is it if you're asymptomatic. So many things I think we need to deep dive into, not me, not athletes, um, not even teams, organizations, but the health officials need to dive into so we can have more information that will help these sports teams come back. Like I said, I think they're completely fine. I mean, people aren't in, in you know, they're not going to just drop dead if they, if they get coronavirus, all right? People aren't going to die in the fall for playing football. It's not going to happen. So that's kind of my overall take with it is let's learn a little more about it in the, the months, the two months leading up, and let's go forward. Let's not panic. If you get it, you'll be fine. Mostly they'll be asymptomatic, you know, and, and let's learn more about it. But overall, let's just, can we just quit the panic, okay? The LSU players, they say they tested 30, they were positive. Maybe, I don't know that to be a fact. But if they did, fine. Then 30 players quarantine themselves. They'll be fine in a couple days. Um, retest them, because there's no better place for them to be than there. They're not going to get unlimited testing anywhere else. That is the safest place for them to be. And then they build up antibodies and probably become immune to it. So there you go. So if you're relying on Derek Stingley, Jamar Chase, or... You know, whoever the case may be, Miles Brennan, you know, one of your top guys on the team, and I don't know if those are the guys who caught the virus. Well, then they get the virus, and antibodies build up, and then they become immune to it. So, once again, it's a very safe place for them to be, and let's just quit all the panic. Finally, baseball has announced they're back, and they have finally settled on an agreement. It's going to be 60 games. Like I said, the second spring training is going to start July 1st, and I think games will start ramping up July 24th. And it's a 60-game season, DH on both sides, which makes a ton of sense. I do not pay money to go to the game or watch to watch pitchers hit. I don't want, What do I care about seeing a dude being an automatic out? Okay, I've always thought it was stupid. 
And the baseball purists will tell you it's not. It's stupid. That, that doesn't make any sense. It should be the same rules in both leagues anyways. Okay? DH in both leagues, I like it. Very interesting rule is going to be um, extra innings. There'll be a player at second base to, to start. So you can kind of get the game a little quicker. You're not wasting arms. I love that. It is quirky, but this is television. This isn't, you know, a, a tournament in Podunk, America, where, you know, a bunch of 12-year-olds are playing, and it's all about the purity of the game. Look, this is a television product, and it's just a product in general. People going to the game. They don't want to stay till 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. Let's go. Ramp it up. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Get it going. Love it. And it's going to be a great season, in my opinion. And I'm very excited because 162 is way too much. It's way too much. And once again, if you've heard me before, baseball is way too into the past. They care about the records. They, they, they lure over it. They fond over it. Football doesn't. They get over it. Basketball, to a certain extent, is worried about, you know, the Michael Jordan. Is he the greatest ever? But statistically, they don't really freak out about it. Baseball, it's all statistics. Um, they're going to throw you numbers you've never heard in your life. It's all statistics, and it shouldn't be. It's a television show. That's what it is. And it's an it's a entertainment product. And if you can just give me 60 games, man, a weekend series, Sox-Yanks, that is big. Who wins that game on Sunday? These are going to be exciting games, I'm telling you. And fans, I think, are going to love it. Baseball needs to get out this 162. But as you've seen, they're not going to. Why? Did you see the discussions? Did you see how greedy the owners were? Did you see how greedy the players were? Try to take some away their cash. Try to limit it to 100 games and take away 62 and see what happens. Okay? Nobody has the... The, the, the MLBPA is too strong. <clears throat> And I don't know if Manfred has the backbone to just say, look, this is what we're doing. And also, baseball purity, they're not, they're going to, well, what if, you know, if we play 100 games, you know, can Mike Trout get to 73 home runs like Barry Bonds? Nobody cares. Nobody gives a shit about that. Entertain us. Let's go. Lower the freaking mound. Because when they played the game in 1800, they didn't, they didn't account for a guy throwing 102 with a slider curveball changeup. It was old Scuffy McGee throwing 75. Pretty much it. <laughs> a curveball might not have even existed back then. Let's come. Let's change. Okay? Lower the mound. Let's let let's even the playing field a little bit. If I'm a guy throwing 102 with three other pitches, yeah, I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have a tough time hitting that guy. Let's help it out. It's a television product. So let's get with it. That, that's kind of my main thing with baseball. And if we can realize that it's a television product, it's entertainment, create some offense. I don't I like home runs, but I don't like strikeouts. Put the ball in play. Let's be athletic. If you're a fat ass first baseman, I'm not, I'm not into that. I want to see athletes play at a high level. That's what I've always said about football. I don't care about dudes getting their, you know, their heads taken off. All right? Hit them in the teeth. I don't care about that. It doesn't matter. I want to see athletes, primetime athletes, at the peak of their abilities, you know, perform at their sport. And that's what I want baseball to be. Is I want 60 games what I'm going to watch and guys getting after it. Every night because it means a lot. And I don't want to hear the bullshit about, well, the Dodgers won the World Series, but it's only 60 games. I don't care. I, I don't care. Go out, play baseball media, help yourself out. Don't make excuses. I don't care if 60 games is going to hurt Mike Trout getting the 3,000 hits eventually. Don't give a shit about that. 
I watch Mike Trout. I don't have to see if he hit 29, if he got 2,900 hits and 550 jacks. That well, it doesn't compare to Pete Rose or Willie Mate. I don't care. The game is different. He's one of the best players I've ever seen. Doesn't matter what happened in the past. Let's move forward. But man, this is going to be going to be very, very exciting. And I think fans are going to just love this. And I'm hoping. Moral of the story is that the baseball writers. Rob Manfred and the people around baseball can realize this is going to be a very good thing for the sport and maybe we can make some changes going forward. The past couple weeks we've seen a series of baseball documentaries that were really, really fascinating. Long Gone Summer, which depicted the summer of 98, the home run chase with Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa trying to get to Roger Maris' home run record of 61. And I can vividly remember that summer. It was really, really fascinating exciting to watch and a lot of people that were older than me said it brought back baseball from the strike of 94 which baseball had lost you know a lot of cachet amongst their their diehard fans and I think that was the transition in 94 you know from baseball being America's pastime to it being football and like I said I loved it and it brought back memories and also there was a documentary just this past Sunday about Ken Griffey Jr. depicting just his career and, and just, you know, the the type of ball player he was. And it made me think that, you know, with the steroid era, because Griffey was right in the, the height of the steroid era, we think about who's the best player ever. And, you know, you've heard a lot of opinions, right? Because... You hear, you know, the Babe Ruths of the world and the guys from the past, but you can't really put your finger on that. You've never watched those guys. You had a guy in Ken Griffey Jr. who was never a steroid guy in the height of the steroid era, okay, that was still putting up monstrous numbers. He ends up hitting, I believe, 630 career home runs which is really, really good. Obviously, he was a first ballot Hall of Famer. The thing that got me with Griffey, though, and it's almost a sad part of it in a way that, that he was he was hurt often, you know, in those mid-2000s, which kind of derailed some of his numbers. I mean, had he not gotten hurt from a three- to four-year stretch with, with the Cincinnati Reds, I mean, you're looking at a guy who could have maybe hit, like, what, 800 homers? I mean, he was that good. I can remember they had a video game named after him, and he was an icon. I mean, he might have been the only baseball player that actually had his own shoe. I mean, that's how big he was. I think maybe still to this day, he is the greatest baseball player of all time. I mean, when I'm watching Long Gone Summer, I mean, Mark McGuire, it was very, very clear that this was a steroid guy. Same thing with Sammy Sosa. Sammy Sosa did nothing before you know 98 i mean he had a couple good seasons but even mark mcguire in the the documentary said he had really no rec- recollection of sammy sosa prior to 98 and mark mcguire even himself said I, w- I was a home run guy that's what i was a you know a fly ball homer guy so you know that's what they thought of themselves and you look at griffey he could do it all speed one of the best outfielders we've ever seen you know, he could hit for power, average. I mean, he was amazing and electric and a superstar. And it's a shame that he got hurt, like I said, because the numbers would have been out of this world. I mean, in my opinion, after watching that documentary, 
I think he's the best baseball player we've ever seen. Now, I think Mike Trout will one day be able to, you know, compete for that mantle. But still, I think a lot of it, and I'll kind of refer this to Michael Jordan, a lot of it is how are you viewed by the public? Are you a superstar? Okay, because that can elevate you. Ken Griffey was a superstar. Mike Trout is not. Now, Mike Trout might be as good, if not better, than Griffey, but baseball has lost the cachet. He's not really a superstar, doesn't talk much, not very flamboyant. And not to say that hurts him, but he'll never be, you know, I guess idolized like Griffey. And so my big takeaway is just how good the man was. Because even in Long Gone Summer, they were still showing Griffey's numbers. I mean, guy was hitting 50 jacks, high to the steroid era, and wasn't taking steroids. I mean, that's how good he was. So, like I said, big takeaway overall is that, man, Ken Griffey Jr. might be the greatest baseball player that ever lived.